This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select... Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline. Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Brought down, Khalil Mack. Welcome to the Chicago Shuffle Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Lee, here on a Sunday night of angst and mirth where the Bears just meekly went out into the night by losing their home finale to the Chiefs 26 to 3 in a game that wasn't even that close. I honestly there's a lot to talk about, none of which I want to talk about, but uh the first thing is that if you gave the Bears eight quarters and were on all-time offense, I still don't think they'd get to 26 points playing this way. This was a game that was kind of a a reminder of all the mid-season failures that led the Bears down the path that they uh, have been on insofar as mistakes, inept play calling, inept quarterback play, drops, so many drops by receivers, blown blocks, bad penalties, just the hallmarks of a poorly coached, loose football team. And, you know, I have been so back and forth this year in terms of praising their play and uh, eviscerating them for their play. I think there were two, there was a two to three week stretch where I was sort of convinced that Nagy was going to get fired, given that they just seemed to be cratering and there didn't seem to be any end in sight. And then, they got right on uh, some pretty bad football teams on the the Lions, the Giants, and the Cowboys, who you know were proven again today to be um, a really a really bad football team. Somehow the Bears aren't as bad as the Cowboys, given their record and their play against them. But um, yeah, it's so hard not to feel wildly disappointed. And my disappointment isn't that the Bears lost. It's that I wasted three hours watching that garbage. After the kickoff, I think after the Bears' first drive, uh, and certainly their first one on defense where the Chiefs marched down the field, I kind of just knew it wasn't going to be a very good night for us. Um, And I was right. I was right. Nostradamus, I am, because... I was absolutely right. So let's just touch the numbers for a second and see if they can help us understand just how hopeless um, tonight's game felt against the Chiefs. So 
you know, you look initially and you go, oh, 18 first downs, that's a really low number, but that's not that bad. Eight passing, seven rushing. Seven rushing first downs is one of the better numbers from this year. Five of 12 on third down. Again, not a lot of drives, but five and 12 isn't a losing number necessarily. 0 for 3 on fourth down for the second week in a row. That's not good. A little bit of that's exacerbated by uh, late game throws trying to make plays, but... um. Only 59 plays for the day and another day of inept offense. 234 total yards of offense on eight drives. I don't know what to tell you, folks. It's 133 yards passing for Mitch. That's net adjusted for the sacks he took. 157 actually passing and missing throws all over the place. Unable to command the offense. Missing protection calls. Just, um, you know, a day when it's pretty clear that Mitch isn't the guy. And I think that's what's so frustrating about all of this is that, you know, game to game, quarter to quarter, drive to drive, you just don't know what you're going to get. And I think if you're prioritizing quarterback play, I think, you know, you need to be able to ascertain the floor, the floor of the quarterback, along with the ceiling of what they might be able to be, you know. Um, we're going to talk a little later with my, my old college buddy, Ryan Como, who is a huge Chiefs fan and as uh, a season ticket holder for years and used to actually work for the team and he was in the building. So we just kind of talk a little bit of shit because God knows that we don't need to talk about this game all that much. But, um, you know, one of the things he was talking about with Mahomes is just that for as high as the peaks are on the mountains, there really aren't valleys. He doesn't put the the ball up for grabs. He's in total command of the offense. Um, and it really, it's that command that allows him to be as successful as he is. The splash plays are incredible, especially given the skill talent that they have. But he converts on third down all the time. He extends plays. He makes smart decisions. And it's that. It's that, you know, constant floor falling out of the building for Trubisky where it just saps the hope of a team and you could sense it this was a I hate to say it this was a mail-in game by a number of players on the roster a number of guys with a lot of pride that say uh, all the right things and um, are verbally committed to being professional and a lot of guys didn't play a very professional football game tonight so let's talk about what went well um I guess the first thing I would say went well is that the Bears have answers at the inside linebacker position, which is really incredible given the injuries that they've um, that they've had there. So Kevin Pierre-Lewis all over the field tonight, all over the field. Unfortunately, one play too many as he made a really, really bad running into the punter penalty on special teams. Uh that extended the Chiefs' drive and led to their second touchdown. Uh, and that was a bit of a killer, certainly a momentum killer. Uh, and just in a night full of mistakes and mental errors, that one stands out above them all. But as he played on defense, uh, he looked like a starter. He was probably the best player on the field on defense tonight. So 12 tackles for him, one tackle for loss, and then 11 for Nick Kwiatkowski. That is the best backup tandem at inside linebacker in the league, and it's not particularly close. I think given Nick's continued success, not only in run defense but in coverage, and Kevin Pierre-Lewis's emergence, I think 
unless he's willing to take an incredible pay cut, I think we've seen the last of Danny Trevathan, who was put on IR earlier this week. He's been a stand-up pro. He's been a leader on the Bears. But just given the financial ramifications of what it would take to bring him back, that he's out of contract, and that the Bears have answers at this position and so few at others, I think that's it's more likely than not that Kevin Pierre-Lewis, Nick Kwiatkowski, if they can re-sign them both, Roquan Smith and uh, Iggy will be the inside linebacker group going into next season. Khalil Mack uh, definitely showed out a bit tonight, uh, had a number of good pressures, but just not getting any help from anybody else. And I think I was looking on Twitter as the game was going on that the Bears, you know, Akeem Hicks going out certainly affects the Bears' pass rush, but he's the interior pass rush. The inability to get a rush from the other side of uh, the edge is has just killed the Bears all season long. And, you know, it I just it harkens back to before they had Khalil Mack. Like, what would this defense be if uh, if it were not for Khalil Mack being on the team? It just feels like they would never ever be able to uh, to get to the quarterback. So, yeah, one sack on the night. Khalil Mack got it. And I think that is nine sacks now in uh, nine games, 12 sacks now in nine games. I believe that's the statistic. Don't quote me on that, but that's uh, very close, if not accurate. And yeah, uh, the Bears did this thing that you're supposed to do as a defense where you get um, a team to third and long. If you get a team, if you get an offense to third and long, more likely than not, you're going to come off the field. And the Bears gave up uh, third and eight third and 22 and third and 18 I want to say Patrick Mahomes uh, it, it his ability to find open guys down the field at whatever down in distance is unparalleled and it just felt like you know the way the Bears offense is built is kind of a bend don't break and get them in third and long uh situations and then rush the passer the Bears couldn't get home nearly fast enough Mahomes works really really intelligently in the pocket and he can rifle the ball down the field to talent that separates on every single play. So it really felt like the defense played well and still didn't have a shot. And then offensively, just no help whatsoever. Just um, we're kind of in a tough spot there, guys, where the offensive line is somewhat inept. Uh, it just in terms of their ability to run the football effectively and let that be a focal point of the offense. Um, there's going to have to be massive changes there in the offseason. Uh, Rashard Coward did go out of the game uh, in about the second quarter, Ted Larson replacing him at right guard. I can't say that that really was a reason that things didn't go well. Um, you have Cornelius Lucas at right tackle. He's fallen off a bit uh, in the last few weeks. You have Charles Leno Jr., who uh, is among the very lead le- league leaders in accepted penalties, got another holding penalty at left tackle tonight. And then Cody Whitehair and James Daniels, who've swapped spots back and forth in Dosi Dode, and neither has been particularly effective. I guess if you had to give somebody the award, you would say Cody Whitehair was the Bears' best offensive lineman this year, and he struggled. He struggled. Um, less in pass protection, but in both phases uh, of his job. So it's really been a tough spot there. There were some uh, moments where the Bears were able to run in this game, and that is largely predicated on the Kansas City Chiefs being garbage 
at stopping the run. And I think that's the tough part, which is part of being successful in the NFL is having a flexible offensive scheme that can take advantage of other teams' deficiencies. And it just feels like if things aren't lined up exactly right for the Bears, and by exactly right, I mean a Matt Patricia-led man defense that uh, is totally soft up the middle and only has one good coverage back, that's a a recipe for success. Beyond that, it's really tough for the Bears to impose their will in any sort of way. And given what the Chiefs had on, on par, this was a day to road grade them to have 30 to 40 runs and uh, to keep the off the Kansas City Chiefs off the field. And in fact, it was the opposite. The Chiefs had 29 runs for 106 yards, which isn't a fantastic uh, average. And Mahomes was a very clean 23 for 33 for 251 and two touchdowns, sacked once, and it could not have seemed easier. Really, really just an incredible performance by the Chiefs. Like, they just sat around and waited for the Bears to make their mistakes and... That was kind of it. There wasn't really anything else to do. A couple things I wanted to touch on. First of which is the opening script of the game was the uh, uh, Nagy trying to get <laughs> Mitch Trubisky concussed, apparently. So the opening script is two Mitch runs and then a Tariq Cohn run for a first down. And then Mitch immediately runs on the next next down and gets absolutely blown up. I thought he might have been concussed right there. Uh, and then Nagy calls up a trick play, which ends up with a 10-yard loss on a Anthony Miller fumble. Anthony Miller, totally out of sorts, mentally unprepared today, drops, um, missed opportunities on that play, on the on the reverse, not necessarily where he needed to be on routes, finishes the day with, I believe, one catch on two targets, one catch on two targets with a, a long of two yards, Um a really garbage game from him, and the Bears can't have that if he's going to be their number two of the future. So after stringing together a couple of really successful weeks uh, statistically, this was a, a large step back for Miller, um, unfortunately. Allen Robinson, as per always, was the most consistent um, influence on the in the wide receiver course. Six receptions for 53 yards on 12 targets. Definitely not good enough. A 50% success rate on, on passes to Robinson, who had a couple drops of his own. And then Tariq Cohen, a couple catches for him out of the backfield. But again, a lot of that was garbage time. And his inability to read blocks and set them up appropriately is going to kill his ability to stay uh, a part of this offense. The Bears, after having a, a really robust uh, running back room earlier this season, now look kind of bereft. There's David Montgomery, whose talent I think you know we've talked about frequently on the show. Um, I think he'll continue to find his way in the league, but there really isn't a thumper on the team. And yeah, I know Jordan Howard, the Philadelphia Eagles, and he was that totally true. I don't think that's the problem here. It's that Mike Davis wasn't the guy either and now plays for Carolina. And um, yeah, the the Bears just don't have anybody else. There's no physicality to the rush uh, to the run game. And I think, you know, say what you will about their lack of talent on in the tight end group that certainly is a part of this but just their inability to play a physical brand of football it's all sizzle and no steak and it's another season of that and when you line that up against a quarterback who is as inconsistent as Mitchell Trubisky is whatever flashes of success he may show it doesn't matter because there's no 
continuity. There's no offensive continuity that can bring you through his ups and downs. And certainly what was once a league leading defense has taken a step back this year and just cannot carry the weight, the incredible weight of one of the worst offenses in the league. It's always incumbent upon us to step forward and look into what next season may look like and how games like this are a part of that. So the Bears are now 7-8, and eight, as I said, finished 4-4 four and four at home on the year. They have one more game at the Vikings next week, a chance to, I don't think they can ruin the Vikings season, but they can certainly affect playoff seeding and um, continue their ownership of that team, especially in their house. So there's a little bit of value to that, but... You look forward and you go, okay, Matt Nagy's ability to call plays and to make uh, in-game football decisions is subpar, uh, just like his his, his teacher, Andy Reid. Uh, there was a terrible challenge in the first quarter that never should have been made. And I think when you take that, his uh, questionable decision-making in-game, as he also tries to call offensive plays – and then you think about Mark Helfrich at offensive coordinator and what the Bears are, the identity they have. And then you think about the offensive line coach who is lauded, uh, who I loved when he joined the team, in Harry Highstand. It seems like the Bears are headed to a place where there's going to be some sacrificial lambs on the offensive side of the football, uh, on the offensive coaching staff. I, I very much expect... Mark Helfrich to be gone, as discussed on the preview pod this week. There's every chance that um, oh, that offensive consultant Childress, Brad Childress, will uh, take over the offensive uh, coordinator position and help the Bears find a little bit more traditional offense that can support the personnel that they have. I wouldn't be against them looking outside for outside influences to change up what they do. And to take the play calling away from Matt Nagy so he can focus on the totality of the team and for the in-game decision-making, in addition to being part of the communication to the quarterback. But I think at this point we can agree that what he's doing on a game-to-game basis in-game isn't working. Um, it's it's not working more often than not. And I think it's important that if he's going to, much like we've supported Mitch Trubisky with a lot of talent around him, it's important to support Nagy's development as a coach by minimizing the things he has to do and bringing in more support for him uh, game in, game out. I don't know enough about offensive line play, if I'm being honest with you, to say Harry Highstand is or isn't doing a good job. This is a guy who, like I said, was absolutely praised for his ability to teach the fundamentals and to develop players. He's the guy that coached Quentin Nelson and uh, Alex Bars, who's now a part of the Chicago Bears, and a number of other uh, really quality offensive linemen. I think Ronnie Stanley, uh, who is the best offensive uh, tackle in football this year for the Lamar Jackson Ravens, he's another one. So it it's not like this guy forgot how to coach, but it's, it's an execution game and a prove-it game and a wins and losses game. And the Bears' offensive line uh, has been terrible this year across the board. And that only points in one direction. So it wouldn't surprise me to see the Bears make that systemic change uh, in not just the coordinator, not just the quarterback coach in Ragone, but all the way down to the offensive line coach in high stand. And I think that's really where we are at this point. Trubisky, what more can you say? I don't want to say anything else about it. 18 for 34 for a buck 57 for a 4.6 average, 65 rating, just uh, an inept 
just an impotent performance. I think that's how I would describe this one was impotent. I felt no fear um, from the Chiefs in any regard. He missed multiple plays, and I think the uh, the goal to go first and five from first and goal from the five yard line. Mitch uh, doesn't pull the ball on an RPO. He has a clean path to the end zone. Misses Miller on the left sideline in the end zone for a second down play. That was an easy touchdown. And then Nagy calls a terrible third down play, and then they call a fade on fourth down. Um, just a, kind of a microcosm of the game, of the season, of a really poor plan, and everybody taking turns ruining it. So, uh, yeah, it's time to bring in competition for Trubisky. And as you're going to find out as I talk to Ryan, I think that answer is uh, Andy Dalton. But whoever it's going to be, it has to be somebody who can literally push Trubisky for the job and frankly I, I think it's more likely than not that uh, anybody that comes in that does a competent job in camp it's very possible that he gets the job Ryan Pace Matt Nagy they are going to be in the business of not just winning games but protecting their jobs and so the days of coddling Mitchell Trubisky of working through the gro- growing pains of letting him uh, work the kinks out in live fire situations I think those days are gone. I think this next start against the Vikings is that last opportunity. And from then on out, he's going to have to earn it. And I really hope he does. Uh, with that, uh, we're going to turn it over to giving my good buddy Ryan a call. And let's bring him in and see how dumb this gets. And I am joined, uh, thank God, because I'm pretty depressed, by my good buddy from college. My good buddy from college, Ryan Como, who, among other things, among being a stand-up gentleman, has been to, as he says, every Chiefs home game since 2008. Also was in the building for a little bit working for them, and he was kind enough to bring me in. Who was it you introduced me to? Was it Tyler Thigpen back in the day? I wasn't selling I wasn't selling popcorn back in the day. I wasn't selling popcorn. Uh, yeah, I, was it Tyler Thigpen? I think so. I don't know. Yeah. You guys were Possibly. tight. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know that we were tight. We definitely shot pool. You guys were on loose. On several occasions. Yeah. Okay. Loose. You were loose friends. That we're doesn't loose. sound good well, either. I was loose with my thick pen. <laughs> uh, a loose thick pen. So instead of bringing on somebody to analyze the X's and O's game film of this thing, which I, I, I suppose we'll talk about that a little bit, I just wanted to talk to a buddy and one that knows football. So uh, Ryan, in your educated opinion, having watched uh, the Bears play your Chiefs tonight, just give me your capsule of the Chicago Bears 2019 this year. Well, I got to say, Mitchell Trubisky throws a beautiful deep ball, (laughs) yet inaccurate. An inaccurate deep ball, but beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful sailing like six and a half feet over the guy's head. But, uh, you know, I I would say my mom summed it up best when she said, (laughs) boy, that Chicago quarterback isn't as good as the Chiefs quarterback. You know, I, I got to go with that. I got to go with her her take on it. And I, I, the most enjoyable shot of the night was the shot when they panned to Ryan Pace um, sitting in, in the little GM box. And you could tell, I mean, those, those cheeks were tight. You could tell he was not enjoying himself. <laughs> This is the kind of game that was a microcosm of the things that went wrong with the Bears season. And one of the things that I've noticed in the conjecture is kind of like how to parcel out the blame for 
how bad it's gone between Trubisky, between Nagy, and between the offensive line's inability to get push or protect the quarterback. So just watching the game, I understand it's a one-game sample, but what you're watching, like, parcel that out for me. Whose fault was tonight? Trubisky, he's just not um, a very good quarterback at this point. I mean, uh, opening the game with, like, six straight runs, I mean, he's not Lamar Jackson. That was Jackson. so weird. That was so strange. Yeah, they, they come well, out of the, the shoot. Uh, he's not Lamar Jackson, but he can run. And I feel like yeah. they tried to make him a pocket passer earlier this year. It didn't work out so well. So I'm not upset that they tried to like incorporate some runs on the opening game script. It just felt kind of ham-handed, and it looked like he was going to get concussed before he crossed the 50. Yeah, yeah, it did. He took two really hard shots in the first four plays of the game, and you were like, Are we, is this what we're going to do all game? Um, that's, so I, you yep, know, that's what I said. <laughs> I, I I was I was pleasantly surprised with uh, the Chiefs' uh, defensive line play. It was good to see Suggs uh, make an impact early on there with Frank Clark on that play on the uh, on the sideline. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, I was I was impressed with how uh, the Chiefs' defense came out. You know, they they showed a lot of those multiple looks, um, and, and so and they 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 brought guys from kind of everywhere throughout the whole game. So. Uh, that's no matter who you are from a quarterback standpoint, that's, that's hard to play against. So um, I think some of the, uh, some of his awareness before, before the snap was, wasn't quite there in terms of where guys were uh, on the defensive side of the ball and, and where they were coming from. But um, yeah, I, I, I put this completely at the, at the feet of Mitchell Trubisky for hmm. sure. So, you know, no matter sure. No matter what happens, it's not an issue of scheme or anything else with Negi and the way he's kind of drawn this up. You can you could make it all about scheme all day long, but at the end of the day, the players have to show up and play. And uh, if your if your scheme is is tired and old, um, you know players still when they have open guys hit their targets yeah. if they're playing well. Yeah, you know um, I saw two or three open guys um, from especially in the first half that uh, Trubisky just missed, just missed, just, you know, ter- poorly, uh, bad misses, you know, <laughs> I look at how you're hunting off- for more words about bad. Like what's another, what's a yeah, synonym for bad, bad. poopy, bad miss. shitty, bad six, six feet over the dude's head. <laughs> I know. You cannot do that in the NFL. You, you have to bring in um, a, a known quantity to compete with him. And if that known quantity beats him out, then you have to move on. You know, you, you have to go, um, you know, go back to the draft. What you do is you keep Trubisky, you bring in a bridge, you know, uh, somebody to compete for the position. A bridge quarterback would suggest that you have a draft pick you're developing. No longer the case. A Dalton, uh, you know, best case scenario, worst case scenario, a Marcus Mariota. Water. Uh, I think he's going to get too much money, and I think if the Saints are in the Super Bowl or win it, uh, I think Breeze retires and Teddy takes over there. That's my guess. Really? Yeah. You think Breeze retires? I do, man. I think this is it. I don't think so. No, if they if they're in the Super Bowl, damn good. he looks great, but he's also forty. Uh, he's also got all the records, and I feel like this is, you know, the way things ended last year, it was like, hey, man, let's go back. Let's finish the job. If he wins the Super Bowl, I'm calling it Dunzo. He's also got all the kids. He's got, like, seven kids. Him and Phyllis Rivers both have, like, seven kids. Phyllis Rivers. 
Uh, does that mean he wants to keep playing so he doesn't have to go home and take care of him, or he wants to go yeah. home to take care of them? Well, let's say the Chargers let go of Phyllis Rivers. Would you take her on your team? <laughs> yes! Mitch Trubisky's my quarterback. I, I'm sitting here talking about Marcus Mariota to compete for the position. What about Eli Manning? No, that's Is a strong, like- strong no. Strong no? Strong no. I'm out on Eli. He's, he's older than dirt and... Uh, uh, unbelievable two-time Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, two-time right. Super Bowl MVP and apparent Hall of Famer with a 500 record. It's an amazing accomplishment. No, I'm good on yeah. Eli. Uh, I honestly, man, the best case scenario is Andy Dalton. That's the best case scenario. Andy Dalton. I know. That's where we are. That's your best option. Yeah, that's who's available. I mean, maybe Cam you've comes done available. All, you've done you've done all your homework. I've done it. You've gone through every possible human being that could play quarterback in the NFL, and you've settled on Andy Dalton. I think as terms, your Huckleberry. In terms of what's available and what's realistic, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, my friend, deserve <laughs> a long winter nap <laughs> because that sucks. Yeah, man. Andy Dalton is your off-season go-to. But if if you have the Bears oh. defense and you have the, the rest of their skill oh. position talent and you plug in Andy Dalton, it, is, that, uh, is that... You've got the Bengals circa 2010. Yeah, they went to the playoffs like six straight years. Yeah. I just think, okay, so the Bengals are a poorly run organization that doesn't pay their quality veterans and they're cheap with scouting and all that kind of stuff. I don't think Andy Dalton's any, you know, any great shakes, but I do think he's a league average quarterback and he's a veteran knows how to command an offense and at least make protection calls correctly. So it's an immediate upgrade over Trubisky who still can't make protection calls, needs help getting into the hurry up, uh, still has Nagy talking in his ear down to the 15 count on the clock. Like it's super remedial shit. And Nagy's offense is predicated on being really advanced and multiple and a thick playbook. Like, Nagy can't run his offense, so what the hell do you do? Mm. It was compelling, right? That kind of convinced you I'm right. No, it no? didn't. No. But I, I, w- I just feel bad for anybody who's like, yeah, our next year's plan is to plug Andy Dalton in and let it roll the dice. Uh, yeah, it's been a tough year, brother. I'm not going to lie. Well, um, my favorite part of the game, no doubt, was the fact that I got to stop watching it, um, especially listening to the terrible sound effects and music that is played inside Soldier Field. All right. Uh, I hope you and your dumb, great quarterback have a dumb, great playoffs and you dumb win the championship. I hate you. Hey. I'll be in my banana hammock in Miami. You come find me, all right? Christ. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Hey, see you, buddy. Take care. Over and out. Let's hope for a better one next week. Talk to you soon. I'm out. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.